May 9th. And as we turn our attention to the New Testament reading for today, we'll be narrating out of the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. And here we'll see the disciples faced three tests because of the great crowds that followed Jesus. The first one was feeding the multitude. Philip thought the answer was money. But Andrew saw the answer in a lad with a lunch. Now when you face a seemingly unsolvable problem or a huge obstacle, claim the promise of this verse. Give what you have to Jesus and let Him tell you what to do. In that uh, great song by artist Keith Green of years gone by, uh, he said in one of his songs, Keep doing your best, pray that it's blessed, and He'll take care of the rest. They were also tested in leaving the multitude. Now this incident occurred at the high point of our Lord's popularity. The disciples, especially Judas, would have welcomed a kingdom. So Jesus sent them away into a storm. They went from popularity to peril. But they were safer in the storm than when the multitude and Jesus came to them and met their needs. Can you obey His will even when you disagree with Him? And the third test is in losing the multitude. People want the Lord to meet their physical needs, but not their spiritual needs. The manna came only to the Jews and sustained physical life, but Jesus came for the whole world and gives eternal life. Now just as you take food into your body, so you take Christ into your life and He becomes one with you. The disciples had opportunity to follow the crowd, but they remained with Jesus. And with that... Let's turn our attention to today's reading from the New Testament. May 9th, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. After this, Jesus crossed over the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias, and a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miracles as he healed the sick. Then Jesus went up into the hills and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the annual Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a great crowd of people climbing the hill, looking for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Philip, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, It would take a small fortune to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There is a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus ordered. So all of them, the men alone numbered five thousand, sat down on the grassy slopes. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and passed them out to the people. Afterward he did the same with the fish and they all ate until they were full. Now gather the leftovers, Jesus told his disciples, so that nothing is wasted. There were only five barley loaves to start with, but twelve baskets were filled with the pieces of bread the people did not eat. When the people saw this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Jesus saw that they were ready to take him by force and make him king. So he went higher into the hills alone. That evening his disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back, 
they got into the boat and headed out across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them as they rowed, and the sea grew very rough. They were three or four miles out, when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, I am here, don't be afraid. Then they were eager to let him in, and immediately the boat arrived at their destination. Our default position as strugglers is to believe that God's disappointed and frustrated. That He simply is tolerating us. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 says, No, 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 no. Before the foundation of the earth was laid, He was going to adopt you, make you holy and blameless in His sight. So whether difficult days or good days, God's at work. God has not abandoned you in this difficult season. How amazing does that make our God that in our hypocrisy He's long-suffering with us. In our inability to live out all that He would call us to, He continues to lavish upon us His grace. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So I love this word lavish, extravagant, plentiful, over the top. And so now when the Bible's talking about forgiveness, it's saying that His grace in forgiveness is lavish, like it's too much, like it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous amount, right? It's, it's, it's weight, it's over the top. It's out of control. Man of woman of God, in Christ but struggling, God does not regret saving you. He doesn't regret it. You haven't surprised Him. You cannot surprise Him. God is not watching where you are now, watching how you've struggled this week, watching how you stumble and fall, and regretting the decision to pay the price for you in full. You have no sin past present and future that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. None. This means that your salvation wasn't just a past event alone, but that Christ even now is continuing to save you. He didn't forgive your past sins and now leaving it up to you to conquer present and future sins, which means it doesn't matter how you came in here. It means God can rescue. It means God can save. And it means for those of us who are in Christ, you do not disgust him. You do not discuss it. You don't know what I struggle with and how deplorable it is. Um, I know that Jesus would say that he paid the bill in full, and so what you're saying is nonsense. That is the grace with which he lavished on us in his forgiveness. Today we're reading Psalm 106, verses 13 through 31. We see that the Israelites came to the border of the Promised Land and refused to go in. While wandering in the wilderness, they compromised with the heathen nations. Their stubborn attitude even made Moses sin. Once in the land, they compromised with the wicked nations, and God had to chasten them repeatedly. Were it not for His covenant... God would have destroyed them, but He forgave them, 
and allowed them to have many new beginnings. Finally, he had to disperse them among the Gentiles. Psalm chapter 106, verses 13 through 31. Yet how quickly they, the Israelites, forgot what he had done. They wouldn't wait for his counsel. In the wilderness their desires ran wild, testing God's patience in that dry land. So he gave them what they asked for. But he sent a plague along with it. The people in the camp were jealous of Moses and envious of Aaron, the Lord's holy priest. Because of this, the earth opened up. It swallowed Dathan and buried Abiram and the other rebels. Fire fell upon their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. The people made a calf at Mount Sinai. They bowed before an image made of gold. They traded their glorious God for a statue of a grass-eating ox. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done such great things in Egypt, such wonderful things in that land, such awesome deeds at the Red Sea. So he declared that he would destroy them. But Moses, his chosen one, stepped between the Lord and the people. He begged him to turn from his anger and not destroy them. The people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. Therefore he swore that he would kill them in the wilderness, that he would scatter their descendants among the nations, exiling them to distant lands. Then our ancestors joined in the worship of Baal at Peor. They even ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They angered the Lord with all these things. So a plague broke out among them. But Phinehas had the courage to step in, and the plague was stopped. So he has been regarded as a righteous man ever since that time. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 32 and 33. The wicked are crushed by their sins, but the godly have a refuge when they die. Wisdom is enshrined in an understanding heart. Wisdom is not found among fools.